Rebels, it's that time. Can you feel it? Are you ready to be a great parent? Do you want to feel like you're back on your honeymoon? Well, we believe in you and God believes in you. Rebels, it's time to join the rebellion. It's time for Rebel Parenting. Hey, Rebels, hope you're enjoying your day. We are having a blast here at Rebel Parenting, and we have huge news. We want to thank Thank You Jesus Clothing, TYJ.clothing, for sponsoring us throughout all of December. And now... Ba-ba-da-ba! Brand new sponsor, Voice of the Martyrs, sponsoring Rebel Parenting. That's right. For the next year, 2019, Voice of the Martyrs is one of our key sponsors, and we thank them so much. We have big things coming with Voice of the Martyrs. We've got Tortured for Christ books coming out. We've got movies all kinds of stuff. And so I just want to start by saying thank you so much to Voice of the Martyrs for supporting Rebel Parenting, for supporting parents and families everywhere. we got a calendar coming up soon at rebelparenting.org. We're going to be in California in December and January, Arizona in January. We're going all over the country. We're going to be in Texas in May. Oh, all over the place. Rebel Parenting is traveling. We're going on tour. We're going to conferences. We're coming to a neighborhood near you. Rebel Parenting live events all over the country. Can you believe it? I can't, but I'm so excited. Today's broadcast, my goodness, I'm telling you, I am a book nerd like nobody else. Somehow, when I was little, my mom convinced me that going to the library was like going to Disneyland, and she would get me all hyped up and amped to go to the library so we could check books out, and I became a voracious reader. I read five or six books at a time. I read Kindle, paperback, hardback, you name it. If it's got print, I'm reading it. And then they tortured me by saying I could only read one book a day. How dare you do that to a child? One book a day. But it got me reading books over and over and over again. And lo and behold, the more you read a book, the more you get out of it. Today's broadcast is with our friend Patty Callahan, and she's written a book called Becoming Mrs. Lewis about the story of C.S. Lewis and his pen pal relationship that turned into a romantic relationship that turned into a marriage to Joy Davidman. And if you want this intimate look into the lives of C.S. Lewis and his wife, Joy Davidman. This book will blow you away. I could not put it down. I was listening to it on Audible. By the way, if you like listening to books, ooh-wee, oh my goodness, this book on Audible is so ridiculous. It was so good. Every morning, I'd get up, I'd do my coffee walk up in the mountains, and I would listen to Becoming Mrs. Lewis by Patty Callahan, and when we got to interview her, I was so geeked out. I can't wait for you to hear this interview. So without any further ado, here is Patty Callahan on Becoming Mrs. Lewis on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. All right, we are live. Patty Callahan, thank you for coming on Rebel Parenting today. I am so thrilled. (laughs) I am so happy to be here. I am thrilled. I've been hearing such great things about your podcast. I love what you're doing, and I'm so happy to be here. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Well, anybody that's listened long enough knows I couldn't be more of a book nerd. I am obsessed with reading. When I was little, my mom convinced me that going to the library was tantamount to going to Disneyland. (laughs) It is, right? There's a million worlds in there. Oh, so yes. yes, Thank you. And then they had a rule. I was only allowed to read one book per day. Uh, Oh, 
which just about killed me when I was young. And so the chance to read a novel about the relationship between one of my favorite all-time authors is, I am so, so thrilled. Thank yeah. you for this. Yeah. Oh, it was just as much fun to write it as I hope it is to read it. Oh, yeah. And isn't it interesting to meet him as a man instead Ugh. of the exalted... We were just talking about that. Yeah. You meet a human being. Yeah. You meet a feeling, caring, laughing brother, friend, pen pal. You know, he talks about getting passed over for a professorship. And we think. Three times. Three times. What? <laughs> you're you're know, kicking yourself. Oh, yeah. I know. Are you, just, are you still kicking ancestors, the people that turned, you know, all those things. But it really, it's so interesting to hear so many modern themes in a book written in mm -hmm. the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Let's start with, how did you get this project? Did you think of it? Did someone come to you? Like, take us back to the beginning. Yeah. So I've been a lifelong Lewis reader. Um, I always say that we all fall into our own kind of love with C.S. Lewis for different reasons at mm -hmm. different times in our lives. Mm -hmm. And I fell into mine when I was 11 years old and read the screw tape letters. Yeah. Way too young to read the screw tape letters. <laughs> Um, I believe, I think I believed Wormwood was following me around for most of my childhood. Oh, and yeah. then of course I fell through the wardrobe door of Narnia, right? So, mm. but Lewis only loved one woman enough to marry. Only one woman he called earth star airs and water, my whole world. And that was Joy Davidman. And this mm. is my 13th novel. My other novels are written under my full name, which is Patty Callahan Henry. And I'd say all my novels have to do with the vagaries of love, right? But this is the most improbable love story I'd ever heard of. Hmm. And it came to me at a moment when I think some of our best things come to us. And that's when I was broken down. Yeah. I'd been through like a really hard time and I was at a dead end and I didn't know what I wanted to do next with not only my life, but my work, my yeah. creative work, which is, you know, how I connect to God. It, it is my lifeline. And yeah. I was talking with a dear friend who's an author and she said, what would you write about if you could write about anything you wanted and mm. stopped asking what other people wanted? And I said, I'd write about Joy Davidman. And I started that minute. I, the minute I said it out loud, I was off and running. We Your were heart just. Yeah, it did. Mm. A whole room grew in my heart. Absolutely. That's it awesome. Did, yeah. And you know, it does for us. It does taking us through her childhood you know, 11 years old, sophomore in high school, being chastised for getting a B. And, right. you know, and then just there's so many faith layers throughout this. I, I think it's such, it's a perfect book for today because it allows us to gracefully go through our own struggles, our own questions. You know, I just, I, I listened to her writing letters. This is what I asked first. Are the letters real? Do you have letters between the two of them? They're real to me. No, the um, all the letters between them have been lost. So really? I know, isn't that horrible? So all letters written to either of them have been lost. The only letters we have are letters they wrote to other people. So there's huge collections of Lewis letters and there's yeah. huge collections of Joy Davidman letters, but those are letters they wrote to other people because those people kept them. Mm. The letters that were sent to them were all destroyed. So did they talk about each other in other letters to other people? Yeah. Yes. So although those snippets of letters in the novel are 
quote, imagined. Mm -hmm. They aren't because they are exactly what they were writing to other people. They were exactly what they were going through at time in their lives. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. although the the letters might be made up, they are true. Mm -hmm. So I'll say in historical fiction, we use a narrative to tell the truth. Yeah. It might not be fact, but it's true. Oh, it's fantastic. And then instantly I was struck, uh, not just with his letters back and forth with Joy, but then to think of any letters he was writing to anyone at the time. Uh, It's been a few years, but I read his book, Letters to Malcolm, chiefly on prayer. And then I, I just was struck how much of that book came from actual letters between he and Joy Davidman and he and and all the other people in his life. That's what he was dealing with. That's what he was struggling with. That's what he was talking about. That's what other people were, were asking him about. And they were coming to, to him with their biggest questions their in life. huge questions. Because he was known for ne- answering every letter that came through. Yep. He sat down every morning with his ink pen with his, you know, fountain pen, dipping it in the ink, writing, dipping it in the ink, writing mm. every day. So we know what he was struggling with. We know who he was. And that's why I loved bringing him to life that way, because he was a man like any man. He had horrible wounds. He lost his mother when he was nine. Yeah. He was sent to horrid boarding schools. Yeah. He was wounded in the war and sent home. His career is not what we imagine it to be. Right. We see him as C.S. Lewis, right? Well, you you see blockbuster movies, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, you know, screw tape letters. There's there's, uh, the dramatic readings. There's there's multiple dramatic readings of Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Chronicles of Narnia. All now these... it's going to be a Netflix series. Oh. Did you see that? Oh, they that this week. Goosebumps. All yeah. And passed over for three professorships. Like, we think now, like, oh, well, I know, I know. But no. But what yeah. if you're living in that moment? And he lived with his brother. He was an alcoholic, not in a daily way, but a binge drinker. Mm-hmm. So he was, his brother had PTSD from the mm-hmm. war. So Lewis is dealing with an alcoholic brother that he loves as deep as anyone in his life. Yeah. And he's living with him and taking care of him. He's getting turned down for things. He's struggling in his writing. He's, he's suffering. He's human. He's yeah. human. He had a, a family. And joy. Then he meets joy, right? This yeah. wild, fiery woman who can match him wit for wit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and when he met her, he was coming to the tail end of 25 years of taking care of a, a widow and her kids and her mom because he promised in the war a friend, if anything happens to you, I commit to take care of your family. You Listen, why has that never been a movie? Because you hear that said as a trope in movies all the time. Yeah. He lived it. He moved them into his home for 25 years. And so not only did he move them into his home, but he actually kept his promise. So C.S. Lewis was, he would say, was at core a medievalist. So he believed in keeping the virtues. And when Mm -hmm. you made a promise, you kept a promise. I kind of loved that his best friend's name was Patty. That's my name. And so when Patty died, he promised to take care of his mother and um, sister. And he did mm. until she passed away. Mm. And so she passed away about a year before Joy visited yeah. England. So mm. Joy and, and her name was Mrs. Moore. They never met. But yes, it was Joy arrives right when that really difficult period of his life. Yeah, could you imagine? I mm. think, oh, I cannot imagine. I'm not a medievalist. And <laughs> I'm not quite mm. sure that virtue would have stuck for me. No. Because yeah. that 
is, I mean, Warney, his brother, when you read his journals, says that, you know, in the end, especially, she was an incredibly difficult woman. And so Lewis just never gave up. He kept his promise. What a man. What a man. And and paid for it. It's not like we think of him as, you know, C.S. Lewis, 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 Lewis. Echo, 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 echo. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was paying for that family out of pocket and getting passed over and, 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 and the grief. And, you know, it's funny you talk about that. What must the future have then looked like after 25 years, after that season passed of duty, of sacrifice, of honor, of servitude, and to then just all... There, like a great space is created around mm-hmm. you, right? And yet he still was all this loss. He had lost one of his dearest friends, Charles William and Inkling, Williams and Inkling. Um, and then this woman shows up, right, with this interesting banter and this intellectual back <laughs> and forth. And they had so much in common, although they lived worlds apart. Yeah. Like they should have never even met. She lived in upstate New York, married with two kids. He was in Oxford, England, the tutor of English literature at Maudlin, (laughs) across an ocean in the 1950s. Like they -hmm. shouldn't have even met. Mm. But they did and not only met, but became, you know, Bilia, best friends, and then fell in love. And Mm -hmm. when she shows up into his world, there was some space that was created around him Mm -hmm. that she was able to come into with Charles having, you know, passed away. And this is more back, hadn't passed away. And and then she shows up with her sons and his life is, fills up with these things again. Mm. You know, I want to interject something as, as I, I'm listening to the book because I love the, the ratings so well. It's, it's, oh, it's such a good I job too. So I'm curious. You know, oh, it's, so I'm a huge audiobook snob too. So if it was yeah. bad, I just wouldn't talk about it. You know, there okay. have been a number of books that I cannot listen to because the readings are so bad. This one, it takes you there. You forget oh, when she changes accents and you're like, Oh, I, Oh yeah. I forgot. It's it's like listening to a movie. It's so, so, so good. I'm going to listen to it on my next road trip next week. Oh, yeah. I tell you what I was struck by, and this is something I'm going to challenge all the rebels out there with. Who could you write to and ask a question of? I love that question. You know, I have a friend who's a spiritual mentor, and yesterday and this morning, this morning especially when I was listening, I thought I have not taken advantage of my relationship with him. I have not asked him questions. I have not poured out my soul. I have not told him my stories. None of those things that he has offered to me and open up to me have I taken advantage of. And I thought I am, you know, and honestly, I don't want to toot my dad's horn, but that's how Focus on the Family started in 1979. Every single person that wrote to him asking for help, he wrote back. I mean, I think there's 10,000 letters. He hand wrote people researching their issue and their problem and Mm -hmm. thinking about it and pouring his life into theirs saying, I care about what you're going through. Uh, The Lord cares about what you're going through. And if he does, I do. And if you've got a question of him, I'm going to try to find it and I'm going to help you with it. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. A modern day Lewis. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just wonder where those people are today. That is such a great question. I mean, who, and I think for each of us, the answer is different. Mm -hmm. So, boy, the answer was, 
she had seen an article where Lewis was called Apostle to the Skeptics. Yes. And she, yeah, that Chad Walsh had written in the Atlantic Monthly. And here she was, this intelligent woman, this prodigy, this woman who had researched everything in her life, graduated from graduate school at 19 years old, like wow. a genius. She would only turn to someone who would be called an Apostle to the Skeptics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She mm-hmm. only turned to someone where someone else might have turned to a different person. So, yeah. so interesting to think, who would I, you know, who would I turn to with the bigger questions? Where mm-hmm. have I turned before? Where would I turn now? And maybe asking ourselves, why aren't we asking those questions? Why mm-hmm. can't we? Let's reach out and ask those questions. For sure. Yeah. Wow, that's an amazing, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Because I, we talked about this before we went on air, but I feel like joy is this conversation between the past and the present, Mm -hmm. that she's a bridge between the past and the present and that she shows us, she's a metaphor for us and she is us. And so she searched. And even though society was telling her, you know, stay in your space and don't do this and don't do that. Mm -hmm. She packed up those expectations and she wrote to this man to search. I, you know, I always say that she shows us that the search for truth is worth the convoluted and complicated path of changing your life. Amen did that by writing that letter. And, you know, sometimes I think we're scared to write the letter or ask the question because then maybe we have to change or transform. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that you asked that. That's awesome. Or people might look for the culture or look on Facebook, (laughs) look in areas where they won't get the truth or won't get what they're searching for and then just stop. Exactly. Or get the easy answers. The The easy answers. Right. Right. Microwavable. Well, and You know, Patty, that's the thing we talk about so often here. Easy answers aren't answers. Mm -hmm. It's a false summit. It's a promise that never Mm -hmm. comes true. Oh, I love that. It's the help that lets you down. It's the quote on Facebook. Yep. Yep. It's the easy quote. We can do hard things. Let's go. You know, Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite quotes by Joy is if we should ever grow brave, what on earth would become of us? Mm. If we should ever grow brave what on earth would become of us? She wrote it in an essay called On Fear. And I love it because she's not saying we are so brave. We are warrior goddesses. She's saying if we grow brave. Right. 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 And then she didn't answer it in that essay. She answered it with her life. Yeah. Yeah. How do you grow brave? Through suffering and going again and going again and get up, get up, go again. Yeah. 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 That's Mm. the thing that she keeps talking about is, letting go that what we try to do is control we try to legalize we try to rule we try to you know black and white it we try Mm -hmm. to you know put it in a box and it just doesn't work that way we try to satisfy our logic Mm -hmm. yeah that's right that's right (laughs) patty i gotta ask as a writer as someone that interviews a lot of writers any pushback any pushback talking about divorce, any pushback, uh, you know, I mean, she had pushback when she went to England, you know, mm-hmm. the people in her church were giving her the sour face and friends in her community. How can you leave your kids and your, I mean, it was not done. It just wasn't done. And you're talking about these things. You talk about her drinking and things that she, cause she was a real human being human as we are. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I got pushed back and still do. Mm. And she makes me braver. She makes me braver because I'm going to talk about those things, those things that matter to us because we're human and we're broken and we make choices. And sometimes, so I always say that 
you know, Joy eventually did. I'm not giving much away, but, you know, she eventually did pack up her kids and move to England. Yeah. And we might not need to do that. We might not need to <laughs> strike a match and throw it over our shoulder and pack up our kids and move to England. But we dang well might need to pack up everybody else's expectations and demands. Amen. Right? And stop taking the crumbs off the table. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever commanded us to stay in a horrible situation. Nobody. Yes. And so I did get pushback. I mean, there's a you know, there's a review out there. Wait, that, let me interrupt, you know, Patty. The yeah. Lord never commanded you to stay in that situation. There's a whole lot of legalist, fearful, coward Christians that are afraid of truth that tell you to stay in abusive situations. I don't believe the Lord does that. Ever. Just, God never has commanded for us to stay in an abusive situation. Yes. I have yeah. a list of things she's taught us, and it is growing with every new event I mm. do and women – now I'm going to start crying. Women come up to me and they say, you reading this book has allowed me to step out in this way or that mm-hmm. way or to get mm-hmm. away from a situation that my church or my family was telling me I had to stay in. Mm-hmm. And nobody should be able to tell you to stay in a situation that's destroying you. Yeah. yeah. Nobody. And so I get kind of fiery about that, obviously. And I don't like to see Joy judge today in the same way. We like to say, you just said, in those days. She's judged the same way. I got a review that called her a Jezebel. I mean, come on. Right? Like, I can't take it. Like, I get so... We've been called everything. By the way, so I was married for five or six years. (laughs) Yeah. Five years before I met Laura, I got divorced. And it's really interesting. Laura wasn't married before me. I was married before Laura. Okay. She gets called all the names. All of them. The it's things insane. people say yeah. are... I want to reach through the screen and hug you. It's insane. I'm hugging. Yeah. I want to be in Hawaii and hug you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we'll go out on the paddleboards after. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about it. I mean, it's... It's, and it's ridiculous. Say, and here's one of the things I always say. When people do that, it's their mirror. Yeah. Right? They're looking in a mirror and they're whatever it is in them that allows them to call you a name or joy a Jezebel. Or I had a male reviewer write to me and say that he was going to post a review that said it was my one of the most sure-footed and beautiful writing I'd done. But he didn't like joy because she, for a little bit, left her boys with her cousin. And so for that reason, mm. and I just said, that Wait. is not a review. That is a judgment big difference huge judgment so for that reason he wasn't going to give the good review because he didn't approve did like he didn't approve of joy's actions hmm. here's what i'm going to say to approve or not approve of people's actions what's that yeah and your place this is so stupid and it's just i'm sorry i don't want to call people dumb but we are we're just we're so <laughs> we're so blinded by our own current culture our own presence we put 2018 values on something that happened in the 30s and 40s and 50s, not understanding the situation, not understanding the culture. You know, when she talks about the atom bomb over and over and over again, and yeah. I had to remember what it was like in 1984 when they played the day after on TV and they had psychologists coming to schools because kids were so freaked out over a nuclear war with Russia. Yeah. And then to think, but we had already known about nuclear weapons for decades. Decades. 
They had just introduced it. We did, they didn't know, have any idea what was going to take place. A world war had just happened. I mean, her husband was in the Spanish War. I mean, the things that they went through. Yeah. Uh, listen, too, her husband was a bad guy. And he was he a had, wounded, wounded man who was causing great psychological harm. Traumatized. Children. Yeah. And yeah. you know what we know about him now? Crazy PTSD from the war. Crazy. Crazy yeah. PTSD. And what had he medicated? With alcohol. With right. alcohol. That's yeah. how and half the population does it today. Yeah. 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 And how do and we do it today with our soldiers, with alcohol, with suicidal tendencies, with reckless behavior, with promiscuity? And yeah. we think, oh, can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. I can. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's part of the reason I wrote this novel from the first person. I was tired of everybody telling me about Joy, mm. right? And what they think about her and everything that has ever been written has been written about her. Yeah. And I wanted to write from her. I wanted to write yes. from behind her eyes in the seat of her heart as the captain of her own soul. I wanted to write from her. And being able to write from her allows us to see everybody, not in a dualistic black and white manner, but mm. in a either as a not either or, but in a and and, you know, mm. Bill was a creative man who loved his wife and he was alcoholic, abusive, philanderer. Yeah, yeah and, you can hold and, both. Right. Yep. Because right. mm, that's humanity. Yeah. We can hold our anxiety and we can hold our belief. We can yes. have it both. We can have doubt and we can have fear. Yes. We can have doubt and we can have faith. Yeah. Yeah. Right. We can. I yeah. can be a great mom and I can be a horrible mom all in one day. Yeah. Welcome, rebels. All in one minute. All in one minute. <laughs> I can love the Lord and yeah. I tell Laura this. I love the Lord and I know He's perfect. I just don't agree with His decisions all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. I still know they're perfect. <laughs> yeah. I know he's right. Yeah. I just disagree. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it. I get it. And I always say that Joy, when she first started reading Lewis, you were talking a minute ago about her faith. You know, she didn't know she was prepared for this conversion experience. Mm -hmm. She had already read four or five of Lewis's books. She had had dreams. She had her very first poem was called one of her very first poems was called Resurrection, in which she argued with Jesus about his resurrection. Wow. So she was prepared. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For what happened. So we look at all, at all these broken steps in our lives, whether it's divorce or atheism or communism or whatever it might be. That has nothing to do with the chosen creatures we are. Mm -hmm. and, and did the judgment calls are so that's why I wanted to write it from her point of view to show that these judgment calls aren't good and right and true. And they don't help any of us in the conversation about where we want to be today. Yep. They don't help. Hmm. Yeah, I like her faith journey. That was an interesting one for me where, you know, at night she's in a crisis and just falls to her knees. Fall, and I've fallen to my knees before uncontrollably. And she's down there praying and asking herself, what am I doing? I don't believe in God. I don't believe in this. <laughs> I, I, why am I doing this? This is nuts. And then this is so funny because an evangelical and, and a, an ordained minister, I just assume, oh, well, you met Christian Jesus, right? That's how, yeah. And then from then on, you're a Christian. It's like, no, no, no. I don't know who I met. Who Who is this thing that made me feel it's this one? thing that felt like love. Yes. And, and what is so interesting is that all the things she says happened in that moment. It's obviously it was going to lead her to Christ. I mean, but not to her because she didn't know. And mm. so she says, you know, she realized in that moment she had taken life. These are her words, watered down and diluted. 
that she realized that life is too intense to be endured with logic alone. She realized that something or someone that was made of love was there with her. And somebody else might have put that off as an emotional breakdown or an emotional experience because her husband had called threatening suicide and that's what had Mm -hmm. happened. And and, but she she knew that it was real. She knew that her experience was real. So she called it a mystical experience. So for her, mystical equals experiential, right? So it was experience that she wasn't willing to let go, that she was going to find out what it meant for her life, whether it took the rest of her life, which it did. Mm -hmm. And she set off on that decade-long journey that led her to Lewis, that led her to love, that led her to a transformational life. So Mm. she could have, and many other people would have, and maybe I would have put that off as, well, I was super upset. And so I had this flood of emotion or adrenaline, but she didn't let it go. And she let it change her life. Mm. And I think that's part of the ticket is, is when we have an experience like that, we have to allow it to change our life. We can't put it on the back burner and say, well, that was just an experience. We have yeah. to let it work its way in us. And and that takes a letting go you were talking about earlier mm-hmm. yeah. and an allowing, right? An allowing yeah. of, of it to change our life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not having to make sense of it right away. Mm-hmm. Just sit with it. Yeah, when you feel that presence, it is supernatural. It is unexplainable. It is scary. It is joyous. It's all of those things. Maybe just sit with it. Don't tell you don't have to tell someone. You have to explain every minutia of it. Just mm-hmm. maybe bask in it for a while mm-hmm. and live into it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. which is what she did. And I always say that's when the story gets really good, not because it gets easy, but because it gets harder. Yeah, not easier. Yeah, right? that's, that's what, what our mentors easy. would say. So as you wrote this book. I was doing an interview yesterday and I remember thinking lots of things about the interview and what I was going to say and how I hoped people would feel about my expression of faith, things like that. As you went through the story, were there things that you were worried about? Like, I hope they take it this way, not that way. I hope people feel this way, not that way. No, that usually happens to me after, (laughs) you know, when I'm done the book, right? So... I I was such a team with her. You know, I was so deep inside her experience. Mm. I was reading her letters. I was reading her poetry. I was reading her essays. I went to the Wade Center where her papers are kept along with Lewis, Tolkien, and all these other famous Mm. British authors. And I was reading her unpublished papers. I went to Oxford in London and did what I call walking in the steps of joy. And I went to the places she went and everything you read in the book, I visited every single one of those from the whispering alley at the top of St. Paul's to Westminster Abbey to I think that could be a tour you you could agree I know so many women who would like sign up and go take me Patty I'll go okay okay Laura let's do it we're all gonna go to England (laughs) and and we're gonna do we'll follow that exact that'll be the tour (sighs) we're gonna do we're gonna it's gonna be called in the steps of joy in the steps of joy amen I'll sign up you know, for and me, it's going to end at um, Holy Trinity, where she is buried, and where Lewis is buried. And oh, I see it! Yeah. I see the whole thing. Yeah, oh. I'm in. I'm in, Laura. I'll call you later. Awesome. <laughs> I lived in London when I was 16. I lived. Oh, lucky uh, and you. I know. It, I, it's. I shouldn't even talk about it because it's so amazing. But you mentioned these things. I took a train to school every day uh-huh. for, I don't know, six months maybe. And saw the countryside and lived there and went to the cathedrals and 
Madame Tussauds, which we always say Madame, not Madame. And I thought that was hilarious when she pronounced it. I was like, oh, that's of course. I mean, I'm of American. Course. I pronounced it wrong. Uh-huh. And the <laughs> fact that it's still there. Yeah. It's she was going to museums and the cathedrals that I visited. I could, I could go see it again. It's so amazing. Mm. And when I was walking through Oxford, that was one of the most stunning things to me. So we think in America, like the 40s and 50s, like a couple generations ago, right? That place is a thousand years old. Yes. That university is a thousand years old. That place is almost literally, except for cars and telephones, no different than the day she walked those streets. Wow. Right? Except for women being admitted and it took yeah. some colleges now. When I'm walking there, I'm walking where she walked. It's not that different. Yeah. London and Oxford are what they are right now. I mean, yep. it's. You know, except for some of the things in London that were destroyed by the war, nothing in Oxford right. was touched right. by the war. Nothing. Mm. So, yeah, it feels so I, that's how I got to know her. Like, that's I did. I all love that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And is there like an overarching, you know, that you think, oh, when people finish this, this is what I hope they take away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a new Kindle romance with Lewis, with Davidson, you know, what is it that you hope people do after this? You know, I always say, I never want to tell anybody what to take away from my work because I believe if it was inspired correctly, they're going to take away from it what they need. Mm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. There are so many layers to this story. So many yeah. layers, right? There's the, there's the stepping out. There's the faith journey. There's the motherhood. There's the how to balance motherhood and being a writer. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, how to balance your family's expectations. There's so many layers. So I think that I want what speaks most to people to affect them. I don't want to tell them what to take out of the book. I can tell you, you know, one of the biggest things I took out of the book was, you know, after spending years writing it was something I mentioned a minute ago, which is this, that this convoluted and complicated path of changing your life in a quest for the truth is hmm. totally worth it. That yeah. staying in the safe and easy is never going to get us into a transformational journey yeah. to the truth. So or to a life worth having. Yeah, and transformation. A rich life, a rich a life. A rich, full life, yes. A rich life, and we're not going to have all the answers. I think Joy would say the same thing. She wrote an essay about her conversion experience. And the last line in that essay was, in God's will is our peace. And then her last line on earth was, I am at peace with God. Right. So from her conversion to her death, between those two bookend statements, she totally lived into the mystery, always looking for something that would satisfy her heart, her logic, her intellect and her experience, and sometimes finding it and sometimes not. Yeah. But she never stopped living into that mystery and, you know, and taking the easy way, taking the safe way from living in a kind of crappy place in London and working in the basement of a dingy publishing house and feeling sick and not knowing why she still didn't give up and say, fine, I'm just going to go home to the easy life. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go where I have, you know, where, where it's easy for me. Mm -hmm. She wasn't going to do that. And that's what she showed me that, that it's worth the hard parts and the convoluted parts to, to understand yourself and your, who you are in God and yeah. who you are and who you were made to be. Well, that's what we always encourage rebels is mm -hmm. just, the struggle is real and don't give up. Don't give up in the struggle. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think that's most attractive to me about 
Joy and Lewis. And it's what I look for today. You know, I was talking to my dad about a commentator, Ben Shapiro, and across the aisles, there's the Ben Shapiros and the Dave Rubens and the Eric Weinsteins and the Joe Rogans and the Tim Ferrises and And they're all screaming. And <laughs> they are. These guys they're, but they're look these guys are looking for truth. It's very interesting to see somebody who I feel is very, very intelligent in a public discourse saying, I'm not sure, but I'm certainly trying to find out. And when you follow Joy in her search for God, I just kept feeling her say, I don't know, but I'm going to keep looking until I find truth, capital T, not quote truth. But yep. tea truth. Mm-hmm. Not easy truth that makes me feel better about myself that yes. I can in the box I already made. Yes. And the box that I want to put the things that match what's already in my box. Amen. Right? Preach. And then attach myself to it and never move away from it. Yeah. Right? No, that's that's my not bubble. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Lewis was the same way. Lewis was seeking truth. It didn't matter if it made you comfortable, uncomfortable, awkward, joyous, angry. Yeah. Truth. Truth yep. is the most important. Yep. Mm-hmm. I heard somebody, I had this great conversation with the C.S. Lewis expert in Virginia Beach, Terry Linball, and he said something I'd never thought about before. Um, he said, Lewis is an interpreter. That That's why he wrote it in story and allegory. He was not a preacher. He was not a theologian. He was not a, you know, a teacher of Christian doctrine. Yeah. He would take the truth and he would interpret it for us in a story or in an allegory or in a lecture or in an essay. So, you know, the four loves was originally a series of lectures and mere Christianity was originally a series Mm -hmm. of lectures. And they were just, he was the interpreter for the truth. And I just loved that idea that I don't have to shout and none of us have to shout what we think is the black and white truth, but we have to live it and interpret it and share it in a different way. Amen. Oh. oh my goodness, Patty! Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about. We're done. <laughs> I, you know, this is the funny thing. I love I, talking to y'all. I'm I know. To Colorado. I'm not finished with the book yet, and here's what I can feel myself. I can feel myself making it drag out uh, <laughs> because I don't want it to end. I don't want the story to end. I want it to continue. It is rekindled. My love of Lewis. I want to read everything he's touched again. And now with Joy's poetry and her writings, it's fascinating. I'm so excited. I just appreciate this gift so much. Well, let me tell you, when you finish the book and then you go back to Lewis's work after he met her, when you read again, Till We Have Faces, The Four Loves, The Psalms, A Grief Observed, when you read the work he wrote after he met her, after you meet her, you will see her fingerprints all over everything. I keep saying over and over, I keep saying, we've got to stop talking about the woman behind the man. Laura, can I get an amen? Amen, amen. (laughs) Like, we've got to talk about the woman beside the man. That's right. That's what we're doing. Mom's on the mic. So Laura, our producer, interview the wives of, of these guys that we interview because there's... I tell people and they go, oh, that's so nice for you to say that. I go, I am so much more successful because of Laura. It's because she believes in me in a way I don't believe in myself. She believes I can do things that I know I can't do. And then she looks at me like I'm ridiculous when I say I can't do it. She's like, of course you can. I believe in you. 
It's right. a different. He makes you a better version of you. Yep. Yeah. 100%. Yep. Mm -hmm. and I, I don't think wives that. understand that that much. I know husbands don't. But I also don't think wives understand that, you know, I was yesterday, I called Laura and I was upset and I didn't get what I wanted on the phone. You, I'm, I'm being honest, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I came home and Laura hugged me and I didn't know it was exactly, exactly what I needed in that. I, and, and all the way home, I anticipated what she would say and how I would feel about words. And every Earth word I could come up with didn't make me feel the way I wanted to feel. And then I got home and she hugged me and I went, oh. That's what it was. Yep. That's what it was. You do that on the phone. <laughs> and nobody well, else could have done it. No one else could have given it to me. It was only Laura that could have done that. Aww. Yeah. Y'all are amazing. I'm just glad I met you, even on Skype. So great. And anything you do in the future, Patty, anything, please. please come back on. Tell us. Come talk to us. Share your wisdom and joy with us. Thank you. Y'all are amazing. Thanks for having me. Bye, <laughs> Have a good one. Oh, Rebels, was I right or was I right? I was right. Right? Oh, my goodness. I'm telling you, go pick up this book. If you love to read, read this book. If you like to listen to books or if you've never listened to one before, Sign up for the free trial on Audible and get Becoming Mrs. Lewis. This one will blow you away. It will give you such a personal, intimate look into the lives of Joy Davidman and C.S. Lewis. And it is so special, I just couldn't get enough of it. So I hope you enjoyed this broadcast and this book. And a big shout out to our sponsor, Voice of the Martyrs. Thank you so much for believing in families, for believing in marriage, and for sticking your neck out and supporting a broadcast like Rebel Parenting. We aren't like anybody else out there. We really aren't. There's nobody out there that's speaking the truth as loud as we are, and we appreciate the sponsors that are bold enough to stand with all you Rebel Freedom Fighters out there. God bless, have an amazing week, and we will see you next time for more of Rebel Parenting. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel Media House and when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444-999. That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444-999. We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.